Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our very dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the drop-down menu that holds read ACIMOE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes the workbook lesson for the day, as well as the text of the material we read on our call in the morning. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Manual for Teachers with Section 17. How do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? Oh, very practical material. And we're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 354. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. And in him is his creator, as he is in me. Had an interesting journey to the to the opening this morning, and I'll spare you the details, but I'm sure you'll recognize this. Um, let's see, right about there it is. Uh, just a little piece, a little piece. I'm sure you'll recognize. Today. We will again give thanks for our identity in God. Our home is safe, protection guaranteed in all we do, power and strength available to us in all our undertakings. We can fail in nothing. Everything we touch takes on a shining light which blesses and which heals at one with God and with the universe, we go our way rejoicing with the thought that God himself goes everywhere with us. No miracle can ever be denied to know to those who know that they are one with God. No thought of theirs but has the power to heal all forms of suffering in anyone. We join in this awareness as we say that we are one with God. For in these words we say as well that we are saved and healed, that we can save and heal accordingly. We have accepted and we now would give, for we would keep the gifts our Father gave. Today we would experience ourselves as one with him, so that the world may share our recognition of reality. Our recognition of reality and our experience, the world is freed as we deny our separation from our Father. It is healed along with us. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. And in him is his creator as he is in me. That little piece was just 
a small excerpt from Lesson 124. Let me remember I'm one with God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, always. Thank you. Thank you. From time to time, it's sweet to remember that that every lesson after Lesson 100 is actually a piece of poetry um, written precisely so that I could store it in my mind and heart. So, what a great book of poetry as well. Anyway, here's a reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Jennifer, Karen, Robin Bree, Fran, and Harrison. Who's joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, Renee here, just listening. Good morning, Renee. So good to see you. Okay, so we're in question 17 in the Manual for Teachers. How do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? This is a crucial question, both for teacher and pupil. If this issue is mishandled, the teacher has hurt himself and has also attacked his pupil. This strengthens fear and makes the magic seem quite real to both of them. How to deal with magic thus becomes a major lesson for the teacher of God to master. His first responsibility in this is not to attack it. If a magic thought arouses anger in any form, God's teacher can be sure he is strengthening his own belief in sin and has condemned himself. He can be sure as well that he has asked for depression, pain, fear, and disaster to come to him. Let him remember then that it is not this that he would teach because it is not this that he would learn. Uh, Lemoyne. Okay, 17. How do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? This is a crucial question for both teacher and pupil. If this issue is mishandled, the teacher has hurt himself and has also attacked his pupil. This strengthens fear and makes the magic seem quite real to both of them. How to deal with magic thus becomes a major lesson for the teacher of God to master. His first responsibility in this is not to attack it. If a magic thought arouses anger in any form, God's teacher can be sure that he is strengthening his own belief in sin and has condemned himself. He can be sure as well that he has asked for depression, pain, fear, 
and disaster to come to him. Let him remember then, it is not this that he would teach, because it is not this that he would learn. There is, however, a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it. Nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath a wish to help. It is this double wish that makes the help of little value and must lead to undesired outcomes. Nor should it be forgotten that the outcome that results will always come to teacher and to people. How many times has it been emphasized that you give but to yourself? And where could this be better shown than in the kinds of help the teacher gives to those who need his aid? Here is his gift most clearly given him, for he will give only what he has chosen for himself. And in this gift is his judgment upon the Holy Son of God. Thank you, Lemoyne. Um, and Jennifer. Two, there is, however, a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it, nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath a wish to help. It is this double wish that makes the help of, of little value and must lead to undesired outcomes. Nor should it be forgotten that the outcome that results will always come to teacher and to people. How many times has it been emphasized that you give but to yourself? And where could this be better shown than in the kinds of help the teacher gives to those who need his aid? Here is his gift most clearly given him. For he will give only what he has chosen for himself. And, and in this gift is his judgment upon the Holy Son of God. Three. <clears throat> It is easiest to let error be corrected where it is most apparent. And errors can be recognized by the result. A lesson truly taught <clears throat> can lead to nothing but release the teacher and pupil who have shared in one intent. Attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered. And this must indeed have been the case if the result is anything but joy. The single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil into one direction, with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This then is easily responded to with just one answer. And this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there, it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. Uh. 
Thank you, Jennifer. Hi, Karen. Three. It is easiest to let error be corrected where it is most apparent. And errors can be recognized by their results. A lesson truly taught can lead to nothing but release for teacher and pupil who have shared in one intent. Attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered. And this must indeed have been the case if the result is anything but joy. The single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil into one direction, with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This then is easily responded to with just one answer. And this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there, it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. Four, perhaps it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appears as facts. Regardless, too, of the intensity of the anger that is aroused, it may be merely slight irritation, perhaps too mild to be even clearly recognized, or it may also take the form of intense rage accompanied by thoughts of violence fantasized or apparently acted out. It does not matter. All of these reactions are the same. They obscure the truth, and this can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusions. Thank you, Karen. Uh, and Robert Marie. Four. Perhaps it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appears as facts. Regardless, too, of the intensity of the anger that is aroused, it may be merely slight irritation, perhaps too mild to be even clearly recognized, or it may also take the form of intense rage accompanied by thoughts of violence, fantasized or apparently acted out. It does not matter. All of these reactions are the same. They obscure the truth, and this can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusions. Five, anger in response to perceived magic thoughts is the basis cause of fear. Consider what this reaction means and its centrality in the world's thought system becomes apparent. A magic thought by its mere presence 
acknowledges a separation from God. It states in the clearest form possible that the mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God and succeed. That this can hardly be a fact is obvious, yet that it can be believed as fact is surely so. And herein lies the birthplace of guilt. Who who usurps the place of God and takes it for himself now has a deadly quote-unquote enemy, and he must stand alone in his protection and and make himself a shield to keep him safe from fury that can never be abated and vengeance that can never be satisfied. Thank you, Robin Marie. I'm Fran. Five. Anger in response to perceived magic thoughts is the basic cause of fear. Consider what this reaction means, and the centrality in the world's thought system becomes apparent. A magic thought, by its mere presence, acknowledges a separation from God. It states in the clearest form possible that the mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God and succeed. That this can hardly be a fact is obvious, yet that it can be believed as fact is merely so. And herein lies the birthplace of guilt. Who usurps the place of God and takes it for himself now has a deadly quote-unquote enemy, and he must stand alone in his protection and make himself a shield to keep him safe from fury that can never be abated, and vengeance that can never be satisfied. Six, how can this unfair battle be resolved? Its ending is inevitable, for its outcome must be death. How then can one believe in one's defenses? Magic again must help. Forget the battle, accept it as a fact, and then forget it. Do not remember the impossible odds against you, Do not remember the immensity of the quote-unquote enemy, and do not think about your frailty in comparison. Accept your separation, but do not remember how it came about. Believe that you have won it, but do not retain the slightest memory of who your great quote-unquote opponent really is. Projecting your quote-unquote forgetting unto him it seems to you he has forgotten too. Thank you, friend. I'm Harrison. How can this unfair battle be resolved? This ending is inevitable. For its outcome must be death. How then can one believe in one's defenses? Magic again must help. Forget the battle. Accept it as a fact and then forget it. Do not remember the impossible odds against you. Do not remember 
the immensity of the quote-unquote enemy and do not think about your frailty in comparison. Accept your separation. Do not remember how it came about. Believe that you have won it. Do not retain the slightest memory of who capital W, your great quote-unquote opponent, really is. Projecting your quote-unquote forgetting onto capital H-M, it seems to you he has forgotten too. Seven. What will now be your reaction to all magic thoughts? They can but reawaken sleeping guilt, which you have hit but have not let go. Each one says clearly to your frightened mind, quote, You have usurped the place of God. Think not he has forgotten. Here we have the fear of God most starkly represented. For in that thought has just already raised madness to the throne of God himself. Now there is no hope except to kill. Here is salvation now. An angry father pursues his guilty son. Kill or be killed. But here alone is choice. Beyond this, there is none. For what was done cannot be done without. The stain of blood can never be removed. And anyone who bears the stain on him must meet with death. Thank you, Harrison. And would there be no reader for seven and eight? Is there a new reader for paragraph seven and eight? Okay, back to you. Good morning. All right, there we go. But what will now be your reaction to all magic thoughts? They can but reawaken sleeping guilt, which you have hidden, but have not let go. 
Each one says clearly to your frightened mind, quote, You have usurped the place of God. Think not, he has forgotten. Unquote. Here we have the fear of God most darkly represented. For in that thought has guilt already raised madness to the throne of God himself. And now there is no hope except to kill. Here is salvation now. An angry father pursues his guilty son. Kill or be killed, for here alone is choice. Beyond this there is none, for what was done cannot be done without. The stain of blood can never be removed, and anyone who bears this stain on him must meet with death. Into this hopeless situation, God sends his teachers. They bring the light of hope from God himself. There is a way in which escape is possible. It can be learned and taught, but it requires patience and abundant willingness. Given that, the, la the lesson... Okay, given that patience and abundant willingness... <laughs> The lesson's manifest simplicity stands out like an intense white light against the black horizon, for such it is. If anger comes from an interpretation and not a fact, it is never justified. Once this is even dimly grasped, the way is open. Now it is possible to take the next step the interpretation can be changed at last. Magic thoughts need not lead to condemnation, for they do not really have the power to give rise to guilt. And so they can be overlooked and thus forgotten in the truest sense. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Jennifer. Into this hopeless situation, God sends his teachers. They bring the light of hope from God himself. There is a way in which escape is possible. It can be learned and taught, but it requires patience and abundant willingness. Given that, the lessons manifest Simplicity stands out like an intense white light against a black horizon or no horizon <laughs> for such it is. If anger comes from an interpretation and not a fact, it is never justified. Once this is even dimly grasped, the way is open. Now it is possible to take the next step. The interpretation can be changed at last. Magic thoughts need not need magic thoughts need not lead to condemnation. But they do not really have the power to give rise to guilt. And so they can be overlooked and thus forgotten in the truest sense. Nine. Madness 
but seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything. Like the magic which becomes its servant, it neither attacks nor protects. To see it and to recognize its thought system is to look on nothing. Can nothing give rise to anger? Hardly so. Remember then, teacher of God, that anger anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Remember then, teacher of God, that anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Yet is the anger certain anger certain witness that you do that you do believe in it as a fact? Now is escape impossible until you see you have responded to your own interpretation, which you have pro- projected on an outside world. Let this grim sword be taken from you now. There is no death. The sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless. But his love is cause of everything beyond all fear and thus forever real and always true. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Karen. Not madness, but seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything. Like the magic which becomes its servant, it neither attacks nor protects. To see it and to recognize its thought system is to look on nothing. Can nothing give rise to anger? Hardly so. Remember then, teacher of God, that anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Yet is the anger a certain witness that you do believe in it as a fact. Now is escape impossible until you see you have responded to your own interpretation, which you have projected on an outside world. Let this grim sword be taken from you now There is no death. This sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless. But his love is cause of everything, beyond all fear, and thus forever real and always true. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everybody who read this morning. This this section, like so many, um, seems to fall apart if I take it apart, you know? Uh, it's hung together really tightly, so uh, to summarize, it would be a little bit impossible. I wonder, would we like to read it again, one paragraph at a time, uh, you know, to see what else it might contain? Or would we like to open the floor right now and see what comes up? I'd like I to like read reading it. it. Yeah, yeah read it one more time. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I like this. I like this too for um, what it teaches me. So uh, let's see. No one new joined us. Is there anyone who hasn't had a chance to read who'd like to be on the list this time around? Anyone who'd like to read as we read this through again? Okay, then. We'll just go in the reverse order and see how it works out with these nine paragraphs. Uh, Harrison, if you'd like to read one. Fran, two. Robin Marie, three. Karen, four. Jennifer, five. Lemoyne, six. <clears throat> I can come in on seven. And then Harrison, you get to read eight. And Fran, nine. Okay, does that sound good? Uh, so I Harrison, thought somebody, I thought somebody read. read uh, to me. I thought somebody read uh, to me. Um, I don't think anybody volunteered. Oh dear! Oh. I hope I didn't forget to write someone down. I don't think I did. Okay. Okay. How do you? Oh. How do God's teachers? How do God's teachers deal with their pupils' thoughts of magic? This is a crucial question for teacher and pupil. If this issue is mishandled, the teacher has hurt himself and has also attacked his pupil. This strengthens fear and makes the magic seem quite real to both of them. How to deal with magic thus becomes a major lesson for the teacher of God to master. His first responsibility in this is not to attack it. If a magic thought arises anger in any form, God's teacher can be sure that he is strengthening his own belief in sin and has condemned himself. He can be sure as well that he has asked for depression, pain, fear, and disaster to come to him. Let him remember then it is not this that he would teach because it is not this that he would learn. Two. There is, however, a temptation to respond to magic in a way that reinforces it. Nor is this always obvious. It can, in fact, be easily concealed beneath a wish to help. It is this double wish that makes the help of little value and must lead to undesired outcomes. Nor should it be forgotten that the outcome that results 
will always come to teacher and to pupil. How many times has it been emphasized that you give but to yourself? And where could this be better known than in the kinds of help the teacher gives to those who need his aid? Here is his gift most clearly given him, for he will give only what he has chosen for himself. And in this gift is his judgment upon the Holy Son of God. Three, it is easiest to let error be corrected where it is most apparent, and errors can be recognized by their results. A lesson truly taught can lead to nothing but release for teacher and pupil who have shared in one intent. Attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered, and this must indeed have been the case if the result is anything but joy. The single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil into one direction with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This then is easily responded to with just one answer, and this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. Or perhaps it, it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appears as facts, regardless, too, of the intensity of the anger that is aroused. It may be merely slight irritation, perhaps too mild to be even clearly recognized, or it may also take the form of intense rage accompanied by thoughts of violence, fantasized or apparently acted out. It does not matter. All of these reactions are the same. They obscure the truth, and this can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusions. I, anger is, <clears throat> anger in response to perceived magic thoughts is the basic cause of fear. Consider what this reaction means and, it, and, and its centrality in the world's thought system becomes apparent. A magic thought, by its mere presence, acknowledges a separation from God. <clears throat> it states in the clearest form possible that the mind which thinks it believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God and succeed. But this can hardly be a fact is obvious Yet that it can be believed as fact is surely so. And herein lies the birthplace of guilt. Who usurps the place of God and takes it for himself now has deadly quote-unquote enemy. And he, and he must stand alone 
in his protection and make himself a shield to keep himself <clears throat> to keep him safe from fury that can never be abated and vengeance that can never be satisfied. How can this unfair battle be resolved? Its ending is inevitable, for its outcome must be death. How then can one believe in one's defenses? Magic again must help. Forget the battle. Accept it as a fact, and then forget it. Do not remember the impossible odds against you. Do not remember the immensity of the so-called enemy, and do not think about your frailty in comparison. Accept your separation, but do not remember how it came about. Believe that you have won it, but do not retain the slightest memory of who your great so-called opponent really is, projecting your, quote, forgetting onto him. It seems to you he has forgotten too. Thank you, Lemoyne. Is there anyone who'd like to come in here at this point with paragraph seven? I'm in, Lori. Hi. Judy, go ahead. Thank you. You're welcome. But what will now be your reaction to all magic thoughts? They can but reawaken sleeping guilt, which you have hidden but have not let go. Each one says clearly to your frightened mind, quote, you have usurped the place of God. Think not he has forgotten, unquote. Here we have the fear of God most starkly represented. For in that thought has guilt already raised madness to the throne of God himself. And now there is no hope except to kill here is salvation now. An angry capital father pursues capital his guilty son. Kill or be killed, for here alone is choice. Beyond this there is none, for what was done cannot be done without. The stain of blood can never be removed, and anyone who bears the stain on him must meet with death. Thank you, Judy. Anyone else like to come in on paragraph eight? This is Sandra again. Thanks, Sandra. Into this hopeless situation, God sends his teachers. They bring the light of hope from God himself. There is a way in which escape is possible. It can be learned and taught but it requires patience and abundant willingness. Given that, the lesson's manifest simplicity stands out like an intense white light against a black horizon. For such it is. If anger comes from an interpretation and not a fact, it is never justified. Once this is even dimly grasped, the way is open. 
Now it is possible to take the next step. The interpretation can be changed at last. Magic thoughts need not lead to condemnation, for they do not really have the power to give rise to guilt. And so they can be overlooked and thus forgotten in the truest sense. Thank you, Sandra. And would anyone else like to finish this morning with paragraph 9? Alrighty then. Madness but seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything. Like the magic which becomes its servant, it neither attacks nor protects. To see it and to recognize its thought system is to look on nothing. Can nothing give rise to anger? Hardly so. Remember then, teacher of God, that anger recognizes a reality that is not there. Yet is the anger a certain witness that you do believe in it as a fact. Now is escape impossible until you see you have responded to your own interpretation, which you have projected on an outside world. Let this grim sword be taken from you now. There is no death. The sword does not exist. The fear of God is causeless, but his love is cause of everything beyond all fear and thus forever real and always true. Amen. And isn't that just a lovely segue into the top of the hour where we can listen to Fran read us some select passages from What Am I and and lead us in our lessons reflection this morning. So uh, thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. Still in the second part of the workbook. And the theme uh, is What Am I? And today's lesson is Lesson 354. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. And in him is his creator as he is in me. I'll read some from What Am I? And then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What am I? We are the bringers of salvation. We accept our part as saviors of the world, which through our joint forgiveness is redeemed. And this, our gift, is therefore given us. We look on everyone as brothers and perceive all things as kindly and as good. We do not seek a function that is past the gates of heaven. Knowledge will return when we have done our part. We are concerned only with giving welcome to the truth. Ours are the eyes through which Christ's vision sees a world redeemed from every thought of sin. Ours are the ears that hear the voice of God proclaim the world as sinless. Ours the minds which join together as we bless the world. And from the oneness that we have attained, we call to all our brothers, asking them to share our peace and consummate our joy. Now we'll go over to the lesson. 
Lesson 354. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose, and in him is his creator, as he is in me. My oneness with the Christ establishes me as your son, beyond the reach of time and wholly free of every law but yours. I have no self except the Christ in me. I have no purpose but his own, and he is like his father. Thus must I be one with you as well as him. For who is Christ except your son as you created him? And what am I except the Christ in me? Lesson 354. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. And in him is his creator as he is in me. Five minutes.
Lesson 354. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose, and in him is his creator, as he is in me. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much, friend. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you, Brian. I love that first. Oh, thank you. I love the first line in that lesson when he says, we stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. God, I remember being a little girl and asking my parents, what are we doing here? I wanted to know what the purpose was then. <laughs> and we stand in peace and certainty of purpose. I'm complete. And now you know. Yeah. Congratulations, friend. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, it's Harrison. What an amazing blessing. What an amazing reading. Both of which go to the heart of the matter. The central question for me is who am I? Who am I? The answer to that question has nothing to do with anything outside of me. It's nothing to do with anybody else, but anybody else thinks of me. But even, and probably more importantly, what I have thought about myself. For the most of my life, and I've been around quite a while, I have not really known the answer to this question. Who am I? I've been asking it in so many ways and sort of setting up various definitions of who I am. These lessons and these readings have helped me focus more clearly on whatever issue really lies. And the issue is has nothing to do with anybody outside of me. It has nothing to do with my parents or my upbringing 
and ended up concluding that Jewish Bush to then Saddam Hussein, the leader of Al-Qaeda, And it was true then, it's true today. Whoever we have designated as, quote-unquote, the enemy, as God's son, no different from me, no different from you, have an important role you and I. Because we can stand for the truth in spite of what seems to be going on around us. Bombs are falling. Guns and bullets are going around us and through us. We know who we are. We are the Son of God. The fact that what seems to be happening around us, we stand for the truth. oneness with God establishes us as his son. John reach of time. Truly free of every thought. Who we are. Have no self except the Christ in us. It's who we are. Self reflects all of the attributes of God. God is eternal. We are eternal. God is love. We are love. No, someone seems terrible. In truth, it has no power to make anything. But the magic which becomes madness is servant and attacked can't protect. See madness and the recognize its thought system to look on nothing. Nothing gives rise to anger. Nothing gives rise to 
Nothing gives rise to hate. Any solution complete. Oh, thank you, Harrison. That was just very complete. Thank you, Harrison. Fantastic, Harrison. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Um, Good morning. It's Karen. I was wondering if I could share now. Um, In my notes on the reading from today, it said that magic is ego small self-reliance. So I love that Harrison immediately turned us back in his share to who am I, what am I? You know, I am in Christ. If I'm in Christ, which is what the lesson says, then I am not in ego self-reliance. Magic is ego self-reliance. It's like trying to fix the world from the ego trying to operate in the in my life by being in control through my ego. Um, it's so interesting because uh, when we're one with Christ, everything that's happening is perfectly unfolding. We have a faith and a trust that everything that's happening is right. Um, I guess it's hypothetical. You know, I'm just trying to interpret what the Course is saying to understand it, to process it. But if I'm in that Christ place, I can be sick. Like, Lori, you read a, a, a poem yesterday morning, and it was basically saying, I can, anything can be happening, and I can be okay. I'm fine. Anything can be happening when I'm aligned to Christ. There's no judgment of it. There's no resistance to it. There's no uh, past associations and storytelling and all the rest of that stuff if I'm in my Christ self. You know, I'm not body identified, so I have no fear of my safety. And all my control is set aside. But when I'm in ego identity, I'm striving always to create safety and to be in control. Um, Ego identification is driving to be in control. That's the magic that this, that I think, and I'm not even sure, but I think that's what the reading kept pointing to. You know, and then the ego doesn't get its way, and then it becomes angry, and then it projects that anger into the world and at God, and it can't remember where it all started from. It can't remember that it's trying to fix everything from separated self, from, you know, made-up interpretations, not facts, not reality. Um, I don't know. I think it really helped me when, when Harrison just turned us right back at the beginning of his share to who am I? Am I in magic or am I in my Christ self? And I've been sick, as everyone probably knows, because I complain all the time. But um, I've been striving to 
to shift things and striving to uh, control it. And the more that my ego tries to fix it, the more I'm dissatisfied with the situation, the more I feel isolated, the more I feel self-identified as body. Um, in Christ, it's just a complete letting go of everything in the world. I really felt like this being sick business is really about something that's trying to come up to be healed but that my mind is blocking. You know, my mind is blocking what's trying to just be released. And at that, I'm going to just stop right there and say thank you for letting me share that. And uh, I'll take all the prayers because, <laughs> yeah, I was actually feeling kind of depressed this morning. So thank you for letting me share. I'm complete. Oh boy! Thank you, Karen. Uh, you yes, know, I just wonderful. wanted to—I I wanted to hop in here before I have to get into my work, and that was—I didn't say this yesterday because there was really no place <clears throat> for me to hop in. But I just wanted to say that God hears us whether we are lying down, whether we might be upside down. <laughs> If we're in an MRI, you know, he, he is with us and he is always going to answer us no matter. So I just wanted to say that because yesterday there was something about praying. You have to be sitting up or something. And I thought in my head, I was like, no, that's not true. So anyway, thank you for listening and have a great day. Yeah. Thank you, Robert Marie. I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that. Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. I really appreciate the Karen share. One other thing was out of from the students. She said, I'm not this talk. This desire to have our big problem go away. My former students have stopped with the course because it doesn't work because I still have all these problems. Bodies and families, crazy. I'm still being abused. The world is changing at all. 
Thank you, Harrison. Boy, this is really an important section, I think, um, in the lesson today. Thank you, Fran, for reading it and everyone for being here and sharing. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose, and in him is his creator as he is in me. This is all capitalized. In Christ, those sacred words, I am, be still, and know I am oneself, united with my Creator, at one with every aspect of creation, 
limitless in power, and limitless in peace. This is the truth, and nothing else is true. Now the lesson goes on to tell me, this is beyond the reach of time, and wholly free of every law. And in the reading of the um, Manual for Teachers, it talks about this um, avoidance of magic, magic being the avoidance of temptation. And what is temptation except to perceive ourselves as something we're not, that we're in an authority problem with God. I'm saying I'm a body and the world is real. And all temptation is nothing more than the attempt to substitute another will for God. Another will, this is the ego's will, that I'm a body and that I can be sick and that I can suffer and that I can be hurt and that I can die. This is the ego's will that's in opposition to God's will. And it's rooted in self-deception. And it says all magic, all magic is rooted in self-deception, in separation, and in sacrifice. It's all the same error. One error that I'm, I'm a person. And the lesson goes on to say this to me. I have no self except the Christ in me. What is real and, and true, the truth about me, cannot be threatened, cannot be hurt. And what is unreal does not even exist. I have no self except the Christ in me. There is no separate personal self. This is the illusion, the mistaken myself appraisal. I'm interpreting Judy as a body and as a personal self. And all that personal interpretation is where Judy thinks she's going to improve and perfect herself and usurp the power of God. Judy has no power whatsoever. Her body and mind alone don't even know, can't comprehend what God is. And never the two shall meet. The Course has taught me this unequivocally, that I have to understand that the relative mind of separate thinkers in the world is not reality, capital reality, as God created us. This is something that we've, we've, we've imagined. It's a different kind of reality and believing it's true. So all magic is recognized as merely nothing. That's, that's when we're really starting to get this. That Judy has a body, bodies get sick, that's just a fact. I've recognized that because I was so angry at my body. I was hating my body. I was hating the fact that I was in pain daily, constantly, angry, hating, hating the pain, wanting it to go away. And then I read something by Mr. Eichhardt who said, when your volition, when your will is such as before you were born into the body, then you know your will is the same as God's. Because anything that's happening in this dream is God's will. And whether you think it's good or bad, right or wrong, all that judgment of it has to go. Because it's not about your personal will, Jude. It's not about your personal interpretation of it. 
So if God wills I be sick, if God, this is part of it. If God wills that I struggle and I seek to find him, that's God's will too. Everything is God's will. Everything that's happening is God's will. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it more and more closely every day. Who is the seeker that's seeking God? It's God seeking God. And whether or not, you know, God reveals himself to himself and me is God's choice. <laughs> I have, duty seeking God is, is meaningless, is useless to me. It's just, and it says this in this, this, how should the teacher of God spend his day, you know, talking about no substitute for the will of God. And simple statement is to this fact that the teacher of God devotes his day. And I can't, you know, if I accept that, I cannot be deceived. I'm safe from all deception because God is with me. And he will not deceive me if I ask him. And when I go to the Holy Spirit and ask him, I have to ask for help in this. Because every time my peace is disturbed and I go to God and I say, help me, <laughs> help me, help me. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in pain. You know, and there, there, there is the meeting of the oneness where the pain is forgotten. Because there is no thought of pain there. You know, this wish, the, the wish, Judy's wish to help herself, this double wish, you know, it, it's of little value because Judy's desiring an outcome. It's Judy's will that she not be sick. It's Judy's will she not be in pain. And personal will and personal inter- interpretation doesn't really come into that. I truly trust that God doesn't want me to suffer. But Judy's desiring, Judy's wanting outcomes, expectations, that God God is my servant. I'm not God's servant. God's my servant. I'm saying Judy's will be done here. And, uh, you know... Forget the battle. I just love this. This is an unfair battle. How can can it be resolved? You know, I'm at battle with what is. Facts are facts. Judy's got an old body. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna die. But facts are facts. We can't deny the facts. And to be angry about it is only Judy's interpretation of it. This should not be. I don't like this. It says, forget the battle, accept it as a fact, then forget it. And do not think about your frailty in comparison. And, or project my forgetting onto him. And then whine and say, oh God, you've forgotten me, you've abandoned me. Because this is what Judy does. Judy feels sorry for herself. And it, this soul... That's the worst soul sickness for Judy. I've spent years feeling sorry for myself on the pity pot. Oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. Used to drive me to drink. <laughs> I'm telling you, I struggled with that. It was a long, hard battle. And when, when he says, forget the battle, 
I'm reminded of this, this transcendental awareness of Christ consciousness, that I can forget Judy, forget the battle, forget Judy, just forget it. Forget so I can remember better that I am the Christ. I am as he created me. I'm perfectly at peace and happy and full of joy. If I so decide, if I choose for heaven today, if I choose to be aware of the totality of my reality and look all around me and stop looking at the peephole backwards at Judy in a body and feeling sorry for herself and, and look at the whole of God's creation and see if I can't forget Judy for just a moment. I'm still with you all in, in my heart, my whole heart, mind, and soul because I know what it feels like to be in pain and and I think we should all help each other to transcend this. And that's the only way we're going to do it, if we help each other understand what it means to be in a body and, 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 and not want to suffer. It's, it, it is what it is. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, thank you, Judy. Judy. Ain't no Judy. <laughs> there ain't no Judy. That is the truth. That's the absolute truth. It's just a concession to being in this relative dual reality. We need to have names so we can address and, and speak with one another with and for each other. But we are oneself. God help us. Amen. Well, hi, everybody. This is Lori. And a uh, couple of things I noticed about this reading today. Uh, first of all, let me say, we stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. Certainty of purpose. And in Him is His greater as He is in me. Purpose is everything. Um, let me not forget my function. My happiness and my function are the same. Um, how many lessons do we have about function and purpose? It's the function of God's teachers to be aware of dreaming. He watches the dream figures come and go, shift and change, but never forgetting that unity alone is not a thing of dreams. Now, if I were... If I were... Um, well, let's say I was taking care of somebody and they were sick. Would I go up to this sick person and say, you're not really sick, you just think you are. There's something wrong with your mind. And would that be helpful? Or rather, um, would I recognize that unity alone is not a thing of dreams and I have a purpose a function I would fulfill, and that is to extend the love of God and peace and unity. 
Well, of course the latter. Of course, we don't study and get this far in the work. But that we recognize that, of course. But let's say, um, let's say we run into someone who um, differs with us, has a different opinion, a different belief, a different value, a different, a different something. And by virtue of our learning um, and going through the lessons, we recognize, oh, our brother's making a mistake, and that's the cause of his loss of peace. Is it my uh, job to inform my brother of his mistake? That's what we're being asked in this section. And that's what he means by the double wish. The double wish can um, really confuse things. Double wish to help. Let's say I, I see my brother's error of thinking and I wish to help. Is it my job to correct my brother's error of thinking? Well, this reading tells me that if I take on that job, I'll experience some consequences. I'll experience some consequences. Loss of peace, depression, etc. The reason for that, the reason for that is that I've made the mistake of making the error real. You see? I've made my brother's error real by seeing it with him and for him. And now I'm exercising my ego prerogative of telling him how he can fix that. And what happens to the sense of unity I have with my brother as a consequence of that? Where does that go? And what I noticed about today's reading, it's, it's really um, woven tightly in paragraphs 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. If you look at it, what he's describing in those paragraphs is identical to the laws of chaos. In chapter 23, they start off with the first law of chaos. Truth is different for me than it is for you because we have different thoughts and different values making us unlike. And, and that's what happens with that double wish, the wish to help. The wish to help makes the magic real. What's, what's my true help then? What, what is true help? Well, true help is simply recognition of unity. We have a we have a shared purpose with Christ to extend the love of God. I copied um, this time to end this recording virtually, uh, but I'll get to get to something I very carefully typed in notes to myself yesterday. Um, but what I want to say. What I want to say most about this is um, that double wish to help. The help that I can most truly give that will be received um, is what he calls 
by grace. I've been released by grace. I will release. Whatever my brother is experiencing is perfect for his soul's path. And for me to um, interject myself into that path um, requires first that I recognize I make a problem real. If I skip the problem, if I skip that step of making the problem real, I'll hold my brother's hand and recognize that I love him and he loves me. That's just how it is when you accept atonement for yourself. You know, he says, pretty soon we'll come on atonement and and healing. How are atonement and healing related? They're identical. And further, he says, having accepted atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for his brother. The nature of the nature of atonement is that it's absolutely and utterly inclusive and no one's excluded regardless of anything that appears in the field to be real to me. And if I skip the part about making error real, I won't have any problems and my brother will know uh, of the love of God. It says right there in that third paragraph, if I avoid making the problem real, Uh, The Holy Spirit will give me a thought. The Holy Spirit will give me a word. The Holy Spirit will give me an action. The Holy Spirit will give me uh, what I need to fill the missing puzzle piece, you know, um, that that caused my brother to feel alienated from God or or have a sick mind, whatever the case may be, you know. Um, This is this, this section. Um, it's really, really, really valuable because it shows me how to respond to a trigger. I go through life. I will be triggered. And that's my brother's gift to me. You know, anytime I become aware of something I would call a problem, it's something in my own psyche. It's something in my own mind. It's something that um, I will be free of when I release it. My brother does me a great favor in that regard. And when it happens, it doesn't feel good because I'm experiencing error as real. That's why it doesn't feel good. That's why there's that disturbance of peace. You'll recognize it right away. It's not joy and peace. Um, Something's come up that you want to release. I think I see it in my brother, but it's something in my own subconscious that I'd like to release. And that's why um, the avoidance of the laws of chaos uh, requires requires me to participate in life. You know, you talked about levels of teaching. What 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 is the only thing I can teach ever? But what I am, and what you are to me. Problems come up in the in what you are to me, in the sense of triggers. And when I can recognize what you are to me is truthfully myself, my very own self, then I can be grateful that because you're in my life, 
because we have a relationship which is trying to learn the truth because we have one teacher who teaches us the truth. You've done me a great, great, great service. You said earlier in this word, the only gift I want from you, this is our Savior saying, the only gift I want from you is gratitude for your brother. And I'll take that. I'll take that to the Holy One. Accepting atonement for myself is also to accept it for all creation. God didn't create separate things, you know. He, he created he created this marvelous extension of love that is himself. And um, and my brother is my gift to recognize this self we share. Can't do it alone. alone. The problem of alone, the idea of alone, is the nature of the whole problem. And, um, and so with that, I think um, I think I'm going to end this recording. Uh, was something I copied yesterday because I think it reflects the spirit of this reading just really perfectly. Nope, that's not the one. I have it here. There it is. Loving another person is seeing that person truly and appreciating him for what he actually is. His ordinariness, his failures, and his magnificence if one can ever cut through the fog of projections in which one lives so much of his life and can look truly at another person, that person in his down-to-earth individuality is a magnificent creature. The trouble is that there are so many people and we are so blinded by our own projections we rarely see another clearly in all his depth and nobility. Loving. Loving is not illusory. It is not seeing the other person in a particular role or image we've designed for him. Loving is valuing another for his personal, unique, in the context of an ordinary world. Loving is valuing another for his personal uniqueness within the context of an ordinary world. That is durable. It stands up. Is real because, as we're told, unity alone is not a thing of dreams. So, um, so I've learned to be grateful for this section while it tangles up in the middle, exactly like the laws of chaos do. It also points me uh, clearly in how to avoid it. And if I found myself in the middle of it, how to escape. So um, thank you, everyone. Thank you for sharing this journey um, that we know we can't go along. I'll end the recording, and, um, and we probably stay on for a while, huh?